that's a really quick response I've had there, you know, the optimist. And he kind of went, yeah, okay. So we went into the hospital, saw the consultant and he just said, I'm afraid you've got a brain tumour. And when you hear those words, yeah, I just froze. Hi there, it's Martin from Positive Differences and welcome to the next episode. I'm joined today by Sarah, who has basically started an Instagram account with the idea of spreading the message on, on what she's been through and hopefully try and help other people. It's called No Sense of Tumour, which I thought was a great play on words. I thought it was a typo at first when I saw it, Sarah, but hi, Sarah, how are you doing? Hi there, Martin. I'm really well, thank you. And it's good to be able to say that I'm really well because I do feel really well. Excellent. Um, and, and one of the things I've, I've picked other people on in this, in, in past episodes, is when they say they're really well, do they really mean it? But I, I get the impression that you do really mean it. Well, it's interesting because when I saw one of your podcasts with Neville um, the other week, and he was saying that, and I, I kind of really identified with him. Um, and yeah, people do just say, I'm really well, I'm really well. But I genuinely feel really well. And I have to say that most of the time, over my life, I probably have felt really well. And it's only over the last three years um, since I had a brain operation, which we'll perhaps talk a bit about, is I've had real peaks and troughs of not feeling well, or days where I just didn't want to get out of bed. And so that's why I've, I've started this, this um, Instagram account, really no sense of tumour, so that yeah. anyone who's going through something like this can sort of not have to go on it by themselves. Yeah, so thanks, Sarah. It, uh, I mean, it, it, first of all, it's good that you watch previous episodes. Good to know I've got at least one viewer. You have, an extra that, one, that, yeah. That, that, that fills me with immense pleasure that something's <laughs> happening from all my effort. Um, so, so, yeah, you said you've kind of felt, um, you know, generally quite happy, positive person. And you've touched on, on, on the reason for the, the, the kind of your efforts here, the no sense of tumour was, was that you've had a, a brain operation, as you put it. Um, I, if you can tell us a little bit about that, but also I presume that was a massive test to your general positivity. Well, it was a, a massive test, but it was a massive shock because how it started was um, I'm a teacher, primary school teacher, and I noticed over the past few years that my hearing wasn't as great as it might have been. And there was a bit of a joke between a friend of mine who would talk to me and then she'd say, you haven't heard what I've said then, have you? And I'd sort of fudge it a bit and say, oh, yeah, yeah. But then I thought maybe it's old age. I didn't quite know what it was. And then I started to get like a full feeling in my ear and sort of thought it was an ear infection, didn't quite know what it was. Um, and then I thought, I'm going to have to go to the doctors, back and forth to the doctors. Finally, I actually went and um, to get my ears cleared out. And the guy at the hospital said, because um, I actually went to pay privately because it was taking so long to go through the doctors and so I went to the Nuffield and he said well I'll, I'll some is for you great went away couldn't really hear and I was I think it's somebody's 50th and someone was talking to me into my right ear and I was thinking oh this isn't very clear I'm gonna have to um can you come to the other side to speak to me so I thought this hasn't really worked and it was a friend that said to me, what price, what price health, you know, you need to go and get this checked out again. So I went back to the Duffield and said, look, this hasn't seemed to work. So he said, I'll, I'll do some tests. And he said, right, okay. So he tested for uh, labyrinthitis and they said, it could be this, it could be this, or it could be this. 
And I just thought, there's no way it's going to be the, the last one. It's fine. Went back to work. And then about oh, five days later, I got a letter from the NHS saying, can you come into the Freeman just to have a chat? And, you know, I said, I said to my husband, wow, that's a really quick response I've had there. You know, the optimist. And he kind of went, yeah, OK. So we went into the hospital, saw the consultant and he just said, I'm afraid you've got a brain tumour. And when you hear those words, yeah, I just froze. I mean, I'm, I'm really glad that my husband Simon was in there with me because I, was, I don't think I actually took any information in at that point. So it turned out that it was um, an acoustic neuroma, which was a very rare tumour. So we said, if you're going to have any tumour in your head, it's, you know, it's good, it's a rare one. Um, so it's, it wasn't that I had to be blue lighted to hospital. It was, that was probably the May. And then it was the September that I got a date to go in to have the actual surgery. So the type of tumour is, or what, well, it still is, because I've still got a little bit in there, but um, it it's, grows on your vestibular and your auditory nerve. So basically stops you from hearing and your balance is a bit wayward. So I often would look like I was, I'd been drinking when I hadn't. I mean, I do, but I haven't at this point. So, um, and I'd walk into people when I was walking along, you know, talking, sort of turning my head to talk to people. Um, so I knew that it was, it was something a bit more serious then. So I had the operation in September 17 and the fantastic team at the RVI um, did a, it was a 10 hour operation. So it was, it was quite a long haul. Um, but they couldn't take all of the tumour out because of the position it was in. It was pressing on my brainstem and also because it was on my audit on my facial nerve. And I did say to the surgeon, please don't touch my facial nerve because that will be, you know, my hearing had gone. I thought I'm never going to get that back. I can, I can live with that. Um, so an, an amazing consultant at the RVI did my operation and they had to leave a bit in. So that's really, and after that happened, I, I was thinking, right, I've got this sort of new lease of, I'm going to write a book, I'm going to share all this, I'm going to call it No Sense of Tumour. And then I kind of hit a bit of a downward, a mix of trauma, a mix of kind of imbalanced hormones, menopause, you know, everything just bundled together. So I, um, I, I kind of shelved it, but I always had that title in my head. Um, so that's the sort of the background, but then sort of fast forward three years, went for a checkup and the tumour had grown again. So to say it was a slow growing tumour, it was, I must be doing something to feed it because it was back again. So I had to have a further surgery, um, September, 2020. But I knew what it was in for, so it was uh, a bit easier maybe. I think it's a great title, by the way, No Sense of Tumour. And, and, and actually, because you're fairly, clearly a fairly bubbly positive person so the no sense of humor thing's quite good it, it, and, and thinking back now is my, uh, without sounding insensitive i wouldn't have some of my teachers had brain tumors because they often seemed drunk at the front of the class and uh, didn't listen to their kids <laughs> maybe they weren't just bad teachers that drank maybe they were maybe they had issues maybe um, maybe yeah i never know you know but you know teachers weren't the same as they are now um i dare say so you, you, you touched on something interesting there and you said, well, if you're going to have something, you may as well have a rare one. What, 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 was, what was the positive to that? Did that mean that people were more interested and you got more attention? Or? Well, I think, I think it's just, um, I mean, I, my husband did quite a lot of research about it. Once we kind of knew it was called an acoustic neuroma, he went away and did some research. I was still a bit like a rabbit in the headlights, a bit stunned. And he sort of just said, it's a rare one. Uh, I think it's that, um, 
unusual. I hadn't, but saying that, you know, I've met quite a few people since I started my journey who have had the same tumour. So, you know, to say it's a rare tumour, I don't really know, but um, the slower growing aspect, I mean, I think I'd had it for maybe 10 years, but it only got to the point in 2017 where it was pressing on the brainstem that it became more apparent. So, um, so yes, it was uh, a bit of a, a bit of a shock. But I, I, actually, I did speak to somebody um, who I'd been for some kinesiology with a few years ago. And I remember contacting her at this point to sort of say, what can I do to help myself? Um, a lady called Sue uh, Nugawella. I don't know whether she's still practicing, but she did some kinesiology and she did some breathing work. And um, she just said to me, just see this as an, as an opportunity. And I remember thinking, how on earth is this an opportunity? But quite quickly, I just thought, you know what? Yeah, I can I can get through this, and I can I can learn something from it. So yeah, it, it's it, it's funny you say that because um, not not the same illness in any way. But two two years and a little bit ago, I fell ill from almost from nowhere, quite seriously ill. Lost a lot of time through work and you know time in and out the RVI and the Freeman. And I, I suppose the first plug here, my dear, is we're quite lucky to have two such like, yeah. outstanding hospitals right on your doorstep I mean you can practically see both from from where we are it's it's, it's unbelievable um but yeah it's it's it, it's funny that you said use this as an opportunity because I've kind of done that and although I'm I haven't shaken off all of the things that my illness brings I'm probably fitter now generally fitter than I was before I actually fell ill yeah. It's, 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 you know, if, if the second half of my life is going to be a, a life where I take care of myself better and, you know, e even even carrying an illness, but if I'm better yeah. as a result of everything else, then that, that's a good thing, isn't it? Absolutely. It's one way to put it. Yeah, yeah, it is totally. So, so, so what's the, what's the plan with the, um, with, with the accountant? Obviously, Sarah, it's mainly it's Instagram at the moment. I, I, I presume you've got world domination well, lined up. Absolutely. Well, the thing is, I think when I wasn't feeling great and I was there were some days I couldn't get out of bed. I think I just didn't want to face the world. I, tr I think the trauma, I didn't think it hit me, but it did. And when you're off work and you're in your sick bed, you've got more time to think about things and to dwell on things. And I remember watching things on television or seeing people thinking, why can't I do that? You know, why can't I do that? What's wrong with me? Um, I'm just a teacher. I just, you know, just a mum. But then, sudden, not suddenly, because it happened over time, things started to flip and I started to think, you know, I can do this. And I was very, very lucky as well, you know, saying about the RBI and the Freeman, amazing care. But I met a lady called Fiona Swinburne who practiced acupuncture, practiced acupuncture in, in Jesmond and I met her at um, ODFC boot camp, which I'm a, has really got me through a lot of the last few years. I joined about seven years ago and to keep that exercise going and to meet the amazing people that go there and the, the trainers that work there. Um, it's, I met Fiona there and I went and had some acupuncture with her and she basically was sort of taught me that I was on this river, clinging onto the rocks, and I just needed to let, let it go and just sort of go with it and, and to learn patience. So I think patience is something I've got in my sort of my little bio at the beginning of my Instagram account. Um, 
because I'm, I've learned I'm quite an impatient person. So just to kind of think, right, just go with it. Slow yourself down. So my daughter, it was my daughter that said to me a couple of weeks ago, mum, you should, you know, you should, well, she used the word influence, which I just found a bit like, you know, I don't want to, it's like Love Island. It was kind of smacks of that kind of thing. Or what, what, what can I do kind of thing? And then suddenly I thought, you know what? No sense of tumour. I could resurrect that title, which I thought of three years ago and just use it in a lighthearted way, really, to begin with. But then I thought, well, I can share what I've been through. If I can help, you know, one person at least, then that's it. So I'm just going to gently keep it ticking over and try and have a bit of an insight into the kind of things that have helped me, the kind of people I've met around who can help. Um, I run a support group as well, which is for the British Acoustic Neuroma Association, BANA. Um, and there wasn't a Northeast branch when I got my first diagnosis. So I just thought it'd be quite good to meet other people in the area that have been through something similar, or they were at the stage of just watching weight, so they weren't having operation. They, they knew they had the tumour, but it wasn't big enough to do anything about. Or they'd had the gamma knife or the radio surgery to try and um, shrink the tumour. So the people within the group, there's not many of us, maybe five or six at the moment, and before COVID, we were meeting maybe every couple of months. Um, but what I've, what I've learned is I'm a, I'm a team player and I like to be in groups and support people and have support. So that's a big thing for me. So it was just really, the no sense of humour was just to share what I've been through. Have you inspired any of the other people in the group to, to, to kind of do something similar or...? Not really. I don't think so. I mean, it's, it's, it's gradually drip feeding amongst my friends. And um, I don't know, I started two weeks ago and I've got 189 followers. So I'm feeling quite happy about that. Yeah, um, you're, you're certainly influencing more people than I am at the moment. That's <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Well, yeah, I, it's funny because um, I've got another friend who'd said to me, you know, you need to go cold water swimming. Cold water swimming is a thing to do. Come with me to the north to the time to time mouth and swim. And I saw a, a great a nutritionist called Gareth Zeal, who's based at um, Little Green Social in Sandyford, who's amazing. And he said to me, you know, you need to go cold water swimming three times a week. And at that point, I was like, but where am I going to go cold water swimming? And he went, well, out the coast. But every, everything was an obstacle then. So having to get in a car to drive to the coast, I, it just didn't really compute. But sort of since I've had my sort of rebirth, um, yeah, I've been going down there and doing that. So I've influenced a few people to go and do cold water swimming with me in the, in the, the North Sea, early doors. But um, yeah. I, I, I think that's something I used to do as a kid, loads. Me, me and a couple of my pals used to get the Metro down to South Shields. And my memory's probably wrong, but it feels like we did it every week for about seven years. Yeah. We probably did it about four times. Yeah. But um, yeah, once once you're in, it doesn't matter how cold it is, does it? Once once yeah. you're in, you get it, you get adjusted to it. It's, it's yeah. good fun. Yeah. Are you going to be one of these people on um, New Year's Day? And is it New Year's Day, Boxing Day? I think it's New Year's Day, isn't it? I don't. I would never say never. I'm building myself up. So today was the coldest day I've been in so far here. And last week I was in France, so I sent some pictures back going, I'm in a bit of a warmer climate. But um, it was, you know, it, once like you say, once you're in, it's great. And you, met, you mentioned there as well, Sarah, about patience and about, you know, about how you've had to become patient. But you also mentioned about letting go and, 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 and kind of, I suppose, allowing yourself to be carried by where you are rather than necessarily fighting it. I, I might have picked you up wrong on what you meant by that. But but there's another thing which which seems to strike me here is about persistence as well. Just just sticking on the peas there, you know, patience yeah. and persistence. 
it, it's quite easy to give up, isn't it? How 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 did you manage to not just stay in that bed watching, you know, binging on the TV and just give up? How well that got you out of it? Yeah, I was um, I was master of watching every quiz show from three o'clock till six thirty generally. So I had months of doing that, and then I have got a great cousin who I would sometimes just FaceTime and just go, Helen, I can't get out of bed. And she was great at just talking to me. She's just doing a yoga um, qualification. She's um, been keen on yoga for a while. So she's doing that. Um, so she kind of taught me through. And I think some days I was just, I just did, some, I just kind of gave into it. But then I kind of had, I kept thinking, I've, I've got to do this. I can't be this mum who just doesn't get out of bed. I've got, I've got to do it. So I think I just had, I just made myself go back to work in March. So I'd have the operation in September. And then I went back to work in March and it was a bit of a fog to begin with. And I had some great colleagues who really helped me out. I couldn't even remember how to turn a computer on. But um, I think you just have to, I kept saying, I want to see that sun come out from behind the clouds. And Fiona was saying to me, you will see it. So I had some, some wellness coaching with Fiona over 12 weeks, which really helped me as well. That was just a, a weekly sort of Zoom meeting, talking things through, setting little targets, talking about what's going well, what's been a challenge and what I wanted to try and achieve over the week. So just setting quite small goals, but achievable goals, which I really, you know, working in a school with primary children, I'm always doing this with children. So it was quite interesting to sort of throw it back to myself and, and do, you know, even if it was like to walk around the block, to, you know, have a conversation with somebody because I, I just went down a hole. I'm also, I didn't want to talk to anybody. I just wanted to cut myself off. Um, so the more I did that, the more I saw the benefits. And I think my daughter's just gone off to do psychology in Liverpool University. We went for a taster lecture and it was all about resilience. And um, so we went into the lecture theatre and we sort of moved down. We were the last people in because I'm, I'm a bit late sometimes, um, which to my husband's horror. Um, so we had to go are, right. Are, are, are you blaming that on the tumour though? Are you yeah, I'm blaming Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So we had one to go of the right, lesser known symptoms. Yeah, to go right to the front of um, the lecture theatre. So we were sitting at the front and we'd gone with my sister-in-law as well. So the lecture started this taster lecture. Lots of mums, parents, sort of, you know, sixth form is going to have a look at what they're going to study. And the lecturer said, so um, has anyone got any stories about resilience? What does resilience mean? So immediately I'm thinking, I've got a great story. And I was in a quite a good place at this point, put my hand straight up to which my daughter just looked across at me and shot me a glance as if to say, mum, put your hand down. No one wants to hear your story. So I, I did, I just sat there and said nothing. Well, 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 those 113 followers, was it, or proving your daughter wrong? There you go. Yeah, this was going back a couple of years ago, but yeah, yeah, exactly uh, now, yes, I'll show her. It's, uh, yeah, did, did you find that having, because you've mentioned a daughter there, did you find having people who were still, to some degree, dependent on you was part of the thing that helped you get out of that bed as well, then, Sarah, because yeah. people can say all they want to try and encourage you, but you the, the, the desire to change has to come from you I think doesn't it it does absolutely and I think I'm quite good at putting a front on so I think I'm quite good at sort of I mean I, I would say I generally am you know positive person but when I wasn't feeling great I would sometimes just think right I've got to look like I look great um and it was only really probably my husband that could see but my, my kids definitely so I've got a 19 year old and a 17 year old and 
I didn't want them to come home from school to see a mum lying in a heap on the couch. So yeah, that was a big factor, a big sort of motivation to get moving. And also I feel like I do sort of help people quite a lot in just, I like to help people. I really like to help people genuinely, um, not in your face kind of way, but if they're struggling or I can sort of identify with stuff, I, I couldn't do that. And that's where I kind of thought, I'm not being a very good friend at the moment. So that was a big factor as well, yeah. Yeah. Did, did, did you um, come up with any kind of like bucket list as part of your no sense of tumour then? Or, you know, have you got like a list of scheduled activities that you're going to be sharing with people or? Well, yeah. So I um, on, one of my, on my list, one of the things, I, I play the piano and I think over the last maybe 15 years or so, I haven't really played apart from in assemblies at school or school productions. So uh, one of the things I'm going to do is buy a baby grand. That's one thing I'm going to start playing the piano again. Um, so I need to get out of shopping for that. But yeah, the this, this swimming has, has been good. And also um, I've sort of getting more into yoga. So it's things maybe that aren't that ambitious at the moment, but uh, we'll see. But I am um, saying to you before about seeing people and thinking, why can't I do that? Or why can't I meet people? So I had, I, I've got a bit of a sort of thing about Steph McGovern. I really like her, the way she is and how I've listened to her on a couple of podcasts talking to Jane Glover, um, is it is Jane Glover and Fee? No, hang on, which way around is it? Jane Garvey, Fee Glover. Fortunately, they've got a great podcast. And she was interviewed on that, and she's just talking about her roots and her northeast upbringing. And I just, I just like her, her way and her manner. So yeah, I'm going to meet her one day, have a little yeah, chat well, to we'll her. Get, we'll, we'll get that on the book list. Maybe she'll yeah. interview you about the book that you're going to write. Then is, maybe, is, that, is, that back, maybe. Is, is that back on the list? Yeah. Well, I don't know because I kind of was thinking with a book. I mean, I would be open to having a go if uh, if I got any offers to write one. But I just wonder how much how interested people are in a chunk of writing. Don't know. I just thought I'd stick to Instagram to start with. We'll see. Well, well, well of course, the book's only the, the it's, it, that's, that's the jumping part now into the audio book, and then yes, it's it's, it's it's the film rights, isn't it? Well, yeah. <laughs> it's just, but 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 it needs a good ending, so you'll have to build up to maybe swim in the Tyne or something. You know? Maybe, yeah, something like that. Yeah, that'd be yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. You, 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 you can just imagine the final scene dropping the dropping your gown off and jumping, and, you know, diving yeah. into the Tyne With or something. Room. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Never to be seen again. I think that would yeah. be a challenge. <laughs> I'm yeah. not sure what the quality of the time's like these days, but uh, mm-hmm. I'm not sure what fancy swimming it just yet. No. Um, Sarah, you've just you've got nothing to do with positivity in that, but well, maybe connected. One of my fondest memories was um, was there was always a teacher who played the piano at the front of school assemblies in primary school. <laughs> Some of, some, some of those songs were classics. I, 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 I don't know what's in the uh, in the road of this these days, but Autumn Days, yeah. All Things Bright and Beautiful. Those, those are still going around, to be fair. And I used Col- to work Colours with, of Day. Yeah, I used to work with a head teacher who, um, when I played the piano in assemblies, would just turn and say, well played, Miss Hughes. That was all the right, all the notes in the right, in the wrong order. Yeah, great. Thanks, Mr. Greenwood. Well, that's, that's, um, I mean, now it's CDs, isn't it? Now, so people don't really need the piano anymore. But uh, yeah, I don't know. There's, there's, there's something missing there. I think if you happen to sing in a school assembly and there uh, to 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 a, to a piano, I think this yeah, that should be compulsory. Yeah. Uh, activity in the in the curriculum. I think. How did you find going back into teaching then in in in, in March? You said because I presume you still had, you know, obviously a, a, a totally different. Yeah, you had the challenge of going back in anyway, and yeah. also presumably it dramatically changed from just 
pre-COVID yeah. into like well, kind I, of yeah, still a funny place, wasn't it? The first operation I went back, I was working in a school in Washington and I'd been, I'd gone from a class teacher, part-time class teacher. Uh, so I went back and I was doing some support teaching. So that worked out quite well. But then an opportunity came up at a school near a home to teach, just to, to go and teach in phonics. And it was a lot less pressure of being in the classroom as a, as a class teacher. Uh, I was still in the classroom, but it was smaller groups. It was an eight minute walk to work as opposed to a 30 minute drive to Washington. And I don't know, a little opportunity. Somebody was looking down on me, I think, because I had a, a neighbor and she had said to me, you know, have you ever thought about working at this school? Um, around the corner, I said, oh, I don't know. I don't know if there's anything coming up and then something cropped up. So I was really lucky and it, and the, the team there are amazing. Um, it's a Newcastle prep school and it's the it's great um, staff, amazing. So that makes a massive difference to when you're working with people who are supportive and when you walk through the door, people always, you're fit for work, but there are some places you go back to work and people say, you're fit for work, but are you okay? You know, and just look after you and that makes a big difference. So I'm going back actually in September as a as a form shooter again. So I'm I'm picking up my role a bit more, which is great. Good, good, yeah. good to hear that because it's, it's, it's the kind of thing where I, I I don't know about you, but there was there was times where I mean one question I asked the um the consultant one day is well you know just am I disabled now? Does this mean because obviously when you're in the depths of it you just think well it's mm -hmm. sometimes quite hard to see the other side of that trough isn't it yeah, yeah um so so i was i was literally thinking well i better get the blue badge you know and i'm not, I'm not trying to make light of this i was no, no. genuinely thinking i can't walk to the end of the hall never mind the street yeah you know i'm i'm, I'm gonna have to fundamentally change the way my life is mm -hmm. um and it's, and it's it's funny how you can go from there to now we're sitting chatting smiling not laughing about it but taking the positives from it and um if it, not, not everyone has that outcome, but if you, no. a lot of people do, but maybe don't realise just what, what a privilege it is to come out the other oh, end and be able absolutely. to have these conversations. Yeah, and I think you have got to laugh about it. I mean, we have some hilarious conversations in the house because obviously I'm, I'm single-sided deaf now and I wear hearing aids. I don't always have them in, but even when I have them in, it can be quite funny. So at the station last week, um, we were going to Edinburgh and the, we headed towards the platform and this young boy started waving at me so I thought do I know him and I was sort of looking and I do a lot of lip reading so when people have masks on I found that quite tricky um and sort of just I sometimes just nod and go yeah yeah thinking I haven't got a clue what you've just said but hey um so this this dad was sort of waving and, and he said uh, you used to teach me so I thought did I and I thought I think I think I did but maybe he's changed quite a lot so I went oh I did used to teach you yeah and as I got nearer I thought that's not what you said to me and so I went no it's Toby and I completely had misread and misheard what you'd said so this hello it's Toby which is one of my son's friends you used to teach me it was quite similar and so yeah it's a lot of, of two Ronnie's conversations in the in the house and around. I, I, I mean the classic one is you know, you say something to one of your family and they say what? About four yeah. times, but they've heard yeah. you every time. I mean, that's the kind of thing I would go to. Like, like yeah. making a level of humour, which I would never tire if, if yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah. How, how, how are you kind of approaching life knowing that you have this thing which could cause trouble again? Um, I'm not really thinking about it too hard. I'm not thinking about the future. 
and how bad it can be. I think I'm just thinking if something happens again, I'll just have to deal with it. So I know I can do it. I know I've done it twice. I'm, you know, I keep saying, and I, I kind of do believe in this sort of manifesting, this is not going to happen to me again. You know, I, this, this will happen to me again, a positive thing, but this operation is not going to happen again. And I had to have um, 28 days of radiotherapy over the summer, which hopefully would have shrunk the tumour that's left. So I've got to see the consultant in a couple of weeks' time. So I'm just really hoping that, well, hope, it's just hope, isn't it, that keeps you going and you just keep thinking, no, I'm going to just carry on, try and do as much as I can and and face it if I have to. Yeah, yeah. I know there's a lot of catch lines and films and things about hope being a dangerous thing, but I think without hope, yeah. it would be a much sadder place to be if nobody had any hope, wouldn't it? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, you mentioned the support group. I mean, uh, is, 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 is there a kind of person who goes to a support group and a kind of person that doesn't? Or, you well, know? It's funny. When, I, when the consultant mentioned there was a banner, sort of Acoustic New Rooms Association nationally, I thought at first, oh, my first thought was, my heart sank a bit and I thought, oh, I don't need one of those. And then I thought, oh, I might have a little look and see what it involves. So I went, I went onto the website, but then it was just full of doom and gloom. And I've had this problem. Has anyone else had this problem? And so I kind of stayed clear a little bit of it. And then I thought, maybe that's, I can flip it. Maybe if I set up something in the Northeast, then and we can share that it's not doom and gloom. You know, I've had this operation and I've managed to come out of it um, and we can help each other. So I think support groups can attract that kind of person that's a bit negative but I think you you set up your own stall and you, you sort of write your own story a little bit for it so there's a couple of people who I've met through having the operation who have had the same operation a year later and then have rung me and said oh you know can you help me out a little bit so that's really how it grew um but yes I know what you mean it, it can be a bit uh, negative but you've got to keep keep going with it positively yeah, so, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's not really what I was asking there, Sarah. I was kind of asking about whether there's probably another half a dozen people who have never joined the group. But, but you do make an interesting point about the negativity, because I was in a lot of these groups on Facebook where you've then got a worldwide audience, and all of a sudden you find, no matter how rare it is, there's actually hundreds, if not thousands, of people worldwide. Um, and, I, and I found I had to leave these groups because it, it's like some people were determined not to come out the other side. And I'm not saying they wish they wouldn't recover. Yeah. But they, they seem to not want to even entertain the idea that there was a positive end mm -hmm. to it. That I think that's maybe where I drive people a bit nuts because I'm kind of like, yeah, but you will get better. You will. I don't, I'm a little bit of a dog with a bone, you know. I, I try to convince people almost to the point where they're like, oh, will you just go away? <laughs> Do I, um, you, 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 have you heard of the term toxic positivity, Sarah? Oh, no, I haven't. About this idea that just always having to put a face on, always be positive, ignoring the fact that you don't always have to be okay. Um, do, 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 are, are you conscious about, because you just said there, well, just you will be okay. Some yeah. people won't be okay, but I suppose you can't, you can't say, no. well, you will be okay unless you're the unlucky one. Yeah, I, I guess, um, yeah, paradoxically, I, I do realise that it's okay not to be okay. So, yes, I can, I, I do see what you said, what you mean, and I do understand, and I, I think I do think that 
is true. I suppose I just always want everything to be all right. I think that's where my positivity is. I want everything to be fine. I want everyone to get on. I want everything to be smooth. And I think as a kid, I always wanted that in friendship groups. I was always the person who wanted to try and placate everyone and make everything okay. Um, so, yeah. So what, 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 what's, what's next in your in, in, in the, the sharing of your story? If it isn't a book and it, it's not swimming the time, probably. Well, what, what, what? I've got a few more things I'd, I want to share about what's helped me get through so as I mentioned before ODFC boot camp has been a constant in my life for the past sort of seven years and going to do sessions with you know like-minded people of all shapes and sizes and backgrounds is great and but everybody wants to go with the same common aim to sort of get fit and lift their spirits and keep their mind sort of sharp um so I've got a few a few more things about what I've been doing in the past to sort of bring people up to speed with. In terms of, I think I'm just going to keep the Instagram going. I haven't really got massive ambitions there in terms of where I'm going to go. I don't think, I don't know. I haven't really thought about it. Is, is it fair to say you're not really just trying to go for the niche of people who've had your same illness? You, you, you're trying just to lift spirits generally aren't you yeah you don't have to have had a brain tumor to follow you and get something from no, what you're putting there absolutely not no and also I think you know people women of my age menopausal women that, that kind of thing as well whether that's quite a lot of that in the press at the moment and I think it's good that that subject's come out for people to be able to talk about so that kind of thing as well if I can help people do that see that kind of side of things as well okay um is is because I think you said becoming an influencer was your daughter's idea she is is, is she helping you figure out the tech or you just uh... well, yeah she totally is sort of helping with the tech so it's like well, how do I do this how do I have music and then the other day she said to me mum you know when you put music on you just type in the search the keyword and then you choose the first tune that comes on and I was a bit miffed by that I thought maybe I do <laughs> so I need to up the ante with the music I think <laughs> yeah I've, I've, I've... I've always wondered because some, some videos you watch, and presume it's the ones that go viral, you watch and you think, that really just fits well. It's not just, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. You, you, maybe you need a producer or something. Maybe, maybe when you become besties with Steph McGovern, she yeah, can, uh, McGovern sorry, she can, she can help you uh, with a bit of production assistance. I know. On that. I, know. I mean, the but, other thing, actually, as I'm just talking, that's thinking about it there, um, my cousin and I are looking to put on some wellness weekends so using her yoga expertise and she's been through a couple of operations recently with her Achilles and my operations to try and put weekends together where we can do some yoga meditation um nature walks and you know we went to look at a property last week to perhaps host one in January so watch this space there might be a, a little uh, sideline coming along there you go there you go um how, how, how do you just, uh, just, just, it's relevant, but not necessarily relevant. It's relevant to you and, and I suppose the audience might care, but the fact that you're a primary teacher, I presume means that you've got hope for the future because you're trying to steer the, the future generations into a good place. What's, what, 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 what's, what's, what's the mood like at the moment teaching generally or parents accommodating or you're just getting sticked as matter what you do or. Well, well I, um, I was I wasn't really in school so much during the second lockdown I was I was in school during the first lockdown and I worked full-time and it was just for the key workers children um there was a very, there was a, a pretty positive 
um, feeling then. The second lockdown, I think, was a bit tougher and school, you know, having to put out more and more stuff, live stuff particularly, um, which I wasn't really part of, which I think I would have found quite a challenge given my technical skills or lack of them. But um, yeah, I think parents are glad to get more back into routines and get everything back to normal. So I would say it's I would say it's fairly optimistic. Well, I would say it's fairly optimistic, wouldn't I? <laughs> but um, I think yeah, new fresh start in September. Hopefully, it can get back on track. You'd be on the wrong podcast if you if you if you had a negative view about it. You wouldn't Absolutely. be on the Positive Differences podcast. You, you you would be on my sister channel, Negative yeah. Nellies. <laughs> but um, do, do 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 you see across the profession, Sarah, that um because. To, to be fair, we live in a, in a, in a reasonably affluent area um, and, and the schools, the parents at the schools, are, it, it's not necessarily representative of a lot of schools, let's just say. Mm-hmm. Um, I, mean, I mean, you must have colleagues in other schools and, and, and be aware of kids in other schools where, where, where they've had an awful time. Um, do, do you think there's going to be a, a lasting legacy that's just going to play out over the next five, ten years on this or, or, or yeah, I mean or, I think why again are you more positive about that? Well I think having seen well as well from my children's sort of perspective doing GCSEs and A levels and ha- not actually having to do the exams um and going through that whole sort of debacle last year with the A level results you know being moderated and and the, to be fair the teachers I, I don't envy the teachers I think they did an amazing job at moderating it and everything. Um, but um, I don't. I don't know. I think. I think the teachers found it very hard work, trying to sort of juggle all the balls and be able to be teaching live and doing it. But I can see it from all sides. I can see parents finding it really hard to homeschool. So, whilst whilst we're in a sort of very lucky position, I, I don't. I haven't really seen too much of the sort of. The negative side or maybe i'm just blinking to negativity marty i don't know maybe that's what it is maybe you just don't see it yeah mm-hmm. it, it's, it's all around you but you don't see it well it's not a bad way to be i suppose um what 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 do you hope to achieve i suppose if you could put one thing into you know what what one goal are you trying to get from no sense of humor then is it is it how will you know that it, the, the mission has worked i think I think it's to kind of bring a, a bit a slightly light-hearted glimpse into somebody like what somebody like me has had to go through and just to show that you, there is you you do come out the other side um and I know I know there are people who don't sort of make as good recoveries but you can make the best of things I think if I can if I can just ha- open you know get my story across to people and they want to contact me or anything like that to support people that's my main aim really it's it's not it's not anything massively ambitious but it's just to share a glimpse I suppose and share my experience well Sarah it's been absolutely great having you on and in and seeing someone so positive um despite what you've been through if, if I could ask you to leave people with you know kind of one one part and thought what would that be one one closing message, tagline, whatever you want to call it? I think it would be to have patience, something I'm having to learn to do. But if you're going through a hard time, it's not to be hard on yourself and to you know, just 
to ride out and to to breathe. I mean, that's one thing I haven't really talked about, but breathing is something that I've massively learned to do. I, I never thought I'd get to sort of my 50s and have to learn how to breathe properly. But um, just breathing. I, I, I listened to Dr. Chatterjee. I probably should have talked about this earlier. Um, Dr. Chatterjee. Well, 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 we don't have to finish now, don't we? Right. It doesn't have to be the end. No. As you can tell, there's no structure to this whatsoever. Yeah. So, well, but yeah, yeah, go on then, breathing. <laughs> Dr. Chatterjee, um, is, is it live better? I can live better, feel more. I think the title never trips off my tongue very well, but his podcasts are really inspirational. So that's something I have listened to a lot whilst I've been walking around during lockdown. Um, he always has great guests on talking about breathing, about brain surgery, I mean, you know, the whole gamut of well-being, and, and his books are really good. Um, so yeah, learning to breathe has been a big thing. So patience and breathing are two things that I would, I would. So, so, so when you say breathing, obviously if you take that literally, most people think, well, presume you've always been breathing, but do you mean purposely taking time out? Yeah. Kind so of a, a, like a thought gathering exercise, like a, like a headspace kind of activity, is that yeah. what you mean? Just even just counting your breath in and counting your breath out. So counting in for four, counting out for four, maybe counting in for four and breathing out for eight. So breathing out longer than you breathe in um, just really slows down your nervous system and really helps you to sort of just decompress really. So those times when you've, you're sort of going into a stressful situation, you realize that you, you don't realize actually you have stopped breathing, like opening a computer. So I've heard of this email apnea where people, when they open their emails, they actually stop breathing. But just because they're so anxious about what they're reading. So there's, I think there's been some research into this. Um, yeah, so that's that's a, a takeaway I would I would give. That's interesting. That is interesting because, yeah, so I suppose people take a deep breath, they inhale as, as, as something's about to happen. I suppose you brace yourself, don't you? But I hadn't yeah. realised something is, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, you, you would brace yourself before opening your inbox if you're worried about what's in there. Yeah. Um, it doesn't have to be a physical thing coming at you, does it? It could be a yeah. mental. Uh -huh. So, so, so uh, that's probably something that helps when you get into the cold water as well, doesn't it? Instead yes. of the <laughs> yes, yeah, breathe, <laughs> yeah, and mindfulness. Mindfulness is another great phrase. Which when when I sort of use this phrase in the house, it's like, will you stop talking about mindfulness? Because when I had my operation, I couldn't actually swallow um, very well, so eating a meal took a long, long time. Um, so I, I was sort of saying. Mindful, everyone, mindful eating, stop eating so quickly, mindful eating. So it became a bit of a catchphrase and the kids always take the mickey out of me. But um, it, I, it, it is, it, it's, it's really corny, but we did a mindfulness session in, in our office. Uh, we've had a, a couple actually, and um, I think people would rather I didn't go because we're, we're, if we're doing anything relaxing, I've literally fallen asleep before in the, in the room full of people, <laughs> which doesn't go down with, well, it, it's funny, but it proves that I'm doing it right, I suppose. Uh, yeah. But we did an exercise where we ate noble fruit, or starburst, sorry, well, how old am I? Um, but you, where you ate a starburst, but rather than just kind of like peeling the wrapper, throwing it in, yeah. chewing it a bit and, and, and swallowing it, we went through this exercise where it took about two minutes to eat a starburst. And, and, and I'll tell you what, it was the best starburst I'd ever eaten, mind you. Just the, the flavours, the texture, and it sounds really corny. And yeah. I, I grew up in a normal working class Geordie house where bait was bait yeah everything had gravy on it was deep fried and it just that was it you know and um and you kind of 
if you ever seen these videos where like a pack of puppies just all trying to eat the food as yeah. quick as they can that was eating for me as a kid you know you just you get you got called in you wanted to get your bait down you and get out and play with your right, as quick yeah, as you could yeah. so i think there's been a lot of research about this this idea of taking your time and, and thinking about what you're eating and if you prepare your body for it to say you know we're, we're going to be eating soon it yeah. actually just you get more from it and I think you digest it better and you get more enjoyment from it as well you know mm. that's something we do quite a lot of most people eat quite a bit yeah absolutely yeah and you take all that time to prepare it and then it just disappears people just inhale it and you think oh hang on what was the point of that but yes well, yes I, I saw something the other day about you know there was a meme it took me two hours to make that 10 minutes to eat it and then an hour to wash the dishes you know yeah. you, 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 you can control how long it takes to eat can't you, you can yeah. do a bit more um, and it probably goes back to sitting around the table eating as a family as well you know if you can't just yeah it's got to yeah it, it feels like it can only be good doesn't yeah. it I think it's just it's it, just taking your time over things I mean that's one I think I, I, I do function at 100 miles an hour or did I like to think I did so when I first um I, think I had to do an account not after my first operation an account on something and I called myself slow row being Sarah Rowland um but that didn't last I went back into sort of full tilt so this time I'm determined to sort of slow down and take a bit more time over things. So so is, is, is it about doing things more slowly or doing things more purposely, do you think? It's about deliberately enjoying the thing that you're doing. Yeah, I think that's just rushing through it. I think it's that thing of, you know, being in the now and just making the most of what you're doing. And And again, it sounds a bit corny, but, you know, hearing the birds sing, you know, Feeling the, feeling the wind on your skin it's, it sounds a bit like oh but it's true I mean after acupuncture sessions I sometimes just float down the road and and do look at things and I remember Fiona would say you know appreciate nature what's around you and I, I'd find myself thinking oh I've got to make myself look at this flower but gradually over time it just it comes and you, and you do sort of take your time over things more and more yeah well, 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 hopefully a lot more people have, have had those experiences because obviously a lot of people have had restrictions and yeah. haven't been able to do all of the normal distractions. Mm-hmm. And there's probably more people than ever have spent time in their gardens or around their homes just walking, doing those basic things. So yeah. ho- hopefully that will counteract the negatives that uh, will inevitably come from lockdown. Yeah. And, uh, you never know, people might come out of this a bit, bit, bit more mindful and hopefully a bit better. So mm-hmm. can't be all bad, can it? No, not at all, no, no. Good. Well, listen, Sarah, again, that has been really good. Um, I've got a lot from that. It's definitely plenty of things to think about. So um, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. It's been great. I've enjoyed talking to you, Martin Roll. Thank you. Good, yeah, yeah. Well, m- m- maybe you need a bigger support group, but not, not, not just yeah. consumers, but... Uh, yes. Anyone can say, come along. Anyone who wants support. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we had, we, I had a client in the other day, actually, um, re- relatively fit bloke had some kind of strange heart attack where he's he's actually completely fine afterwards it was just like like a glitch rather than a health issue if that makes sense mm-hmm. um but but, but he was sitting saying the, the thing that he's struggling with the most is his mind mm-hmm. it's like i haven't been back in the his, his wife found him at the floating at the well, not floating but sunk to the bottom of the pool while he was swimming oh, wow. um, and he's and he's like i can swim I know I can swim, but I'm a little bit apprehensive about getting back in. And right. he said, you know, it keeps us awake at night thinking, well, when's that going to happen again? Yeah. And, um, yeah, I, you know, because it's a bloke, it's a cliche, but blokes don't talk about this. 
They don't. You're right. You're absolutely yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Like you know, I'm, I'm, I think there's a market for a support group. We did say we'd have to call it a cigar club or something, mind you, because we're blokes. <laughs> we can't we can't pretend we're there to help each other. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, yeah. We'd call it something macho. <laughs> but thank you very much, Sarah. Um, I wish you well, and I hope thank you. Um, I hope I hope you have a long and, and happy, positive, um, you know, influencer career. Thank you. Thank you very much. I've enjoyed that. Thank you.